Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. We are in the book of Jonah, and if you have been to a church, if you've driven by a church, if you know somebody who's gone to church, you probably are familiar with the story of Jonah on some, on some level. Jonah and the whale, or the big fish, or the great fish, Jonah. Jonah, there it is. Jonah. But the story is interesting. It's very, very interesting. I've mentioned this before. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of, this, of these names. Um, the Cohen brothers. Joel and Ethan, I think. Joel and Ethan Cohen. You familiar with this, with these guys? Film directors. They're Jewish, which may play into this a little bit. Um, The movie Fargo. Um, I want to say No Country for Old Men. Um, There's a couple other ones. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, I think. There's some identifying marks with their films. One of the marks is this. The, the characters in the film are typically pretty odd and complicated characters. You can watch a Coen Brothers film and you can think to yourself, oh, I like that guy. I like this character. He's a good character. I like this guy. And then by the end of the film, you're like, I hate that guy. I absolutely hate that guy. And one minute you'll be like, oh, this is the good guy. And then by the end of it, you're like, he wasn't very good at being good. Because the Coen brothers do that kind of thing. Now, here's my problem with that. I want to live in a world where there's a nice, tidy ending. That's where I want to live. When I sit down and watch a film, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch something that does not look like life. That's what I want. I don't want to see a situation to where I can't tell who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. I'm all too familiar with that story every morning when I wake up. There's another thing about Coen Brothers films that really irritates me. And this is a top, this is a top level pet peeve of mine. They never finish their films. Never. Like they just leave them like, and figure it out. It's up to you. Who knows what happens? It's this wonderful story. And you get to the end and they're like, I'm tired of writing. And they just kind of fold it up. And it's so unresolved. Again, not a world I want to live in. I want to live in a world to where it's resolved. This is the good guy. This is the bad guy. This guy did the right thing and so good things happened to him. That's the world I want to live in. Is that the world that you want to live in? I want to live in that world. It's where when you do something good, something good happens to you, and then you go, see, I did something good. Unfortunately, the Coen brothers are a little too realistic for me. They write a nice script. They put it out. It becomes a film. And I look at it and go, ugh. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to, I don't want to watch that film. One that looks like life. The book of Jonah? 
May as well have been written by the Coen brothers. Complicated, dualistic characters, and the story goes unresolved. And when you read through it, it's like full of beautiful irony, and then you get to the crux of it, the climactic moment of the story, and there, it just ends. It's just, the, you know that moment in a really good film, and you're like, oh, it better not end here. Have you had those moments? Oh, don't end here. And the screen goes black. You're like, please don't say. And then here they come. Garbage film is. I will vote an entire film completely off, erase it from my memory, go home, break the DVD. I'm not, I don't want to. I'll never buy it. I'll curse it. I'll talk bad about it. I'll tag them on Instagram or Facebook. Your film's stupid. Because you ruin the ending like that? I don't like that. This book, it's that. It's a little frustrating. But it's growing on me. And maybe that's the maturity. Maybe as I mature a little bit in Christ, I begin to kind of go, it's okay if we don't all get rewarded in this life for the good that we do. I mean, Jesus was pretty clear about that. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. The Cohen brothers are Jewish. Jesus, Jewish figures. Makes sense. Let's read a little bit of it. Jonah, one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I have a map because I would like you to see this. Do you have a map for me up there, Dill? Jaffa. We're just kind of like right there. God says, go to Nineveh. It's about 500 miles. You've got to go up around. You can't go through the Arabian Desert. You kind of have to go... So they kind of, you got to go up. It's 500 and some odd miles. <laughs> Jonah says, uh, uh, no. No, I'm going to get on a boat, and I'm going to go as far away from whatever it is you're calling me to go do as I possibly can. That's a pretty good little, uh, pretty good little jaunt. I don't know about you, but I've spent a little bit of time on that course. You know? Jared, I want you to do this. Mm. Nah. How about something different? It's like going to a therapist and then saying, here's the problem I'm having in my relationship. And then they say, okay, well, have you tried this? And you go, eh. You got a better answer? I think I'm going to get a second opinion. <laughs> okay, well, 
Do you think the therapist is thinking to themselves like, well, I mean, I've got a better answer, but I was just giving you like the 999 version. Price is going to jump. You know, if you want the real, real, real good advice. Yeah, try me. Hit me with something else. Let me, let me see if that. Hey, God, what is it you want me to do? This. Uh, what else do you want me to do? Something different? Jonah's a genius. It's interesting to note, Jonah, the name, means dove. To you, you say, oh. But in the Old Testament, there's a thing that goes with dove. See, we think of it through a New Testament lens. We think Holy Spirit. We think innocence. We think uh, purity. But the Old Testament compares the dove to the great, uh, the great uh, uh, birds of prey. The dove compared to an eagle in flight, if you've seen one, the eagle or, or the, or the um, like the buzzards, and they just soar. They don't even move. They're just, they just glide. Compared to a dove, which can't leave the ground without making noises, right? Which when it flies over, it's completely erratic. The Old Testament, in the book of Hosea, God refers to them, refers to Israel as silly as a dove. Where are you going now, Jonah? I don't know. I don't know. Somewhere else, other than wherever he wants me to go. I'm not going. I'm going this way. Silly. Absolutely silly. Jonah means dove. Verse 4. There's a uh, few pieces of irony I want to point out to you. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, Jonah, had gone down below deck where he had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and they fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What do you do? Where did you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Listen to this bold answer. I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. I think the word worship doesn't mean what he thinks it means. Jonah, go to Nineveh. No. Who are you? I'm Jonah. I worship the Lord. Do you? Do you now? Really do you? Because I think that's probably up for debate on whether or not you really worship the Lord. You know what else is ironic about this is the word that says, and God sent a mighty wind. The word is actually throw. God had thrown a mighty wind. 
there's something going on in the Hebrew here that's pretty important. You know who else was throwing something? The captain and the sailors. They were throwing cargo overboard. God threw wind, and the sailors were throwing cargo. And in the Hebrew, the point of doing this is they line them up and they say, look, these two people are doing a very similar thing. They're more alike. More alike than who? You know who. The silly dove, Jonah, who's asleep, I, I remind you, in the bottom of a boat. Silly. The irony of the whole thing. That's just silly. You know what else is silly about it? Is it took a pagan captain on a ship headed away from God to go down and wake Jonah up to say, hey, I think maybe this would be a good time for you to pray. Uh, if You are a prophet, right? A prophet from Israel? You made mention of that when you joined the, the crew. Maybe now would be a very good time for you to begin to pray. Wow, when the pagan has to remind the prophet to pray? It's a little weird, isn't it? Silly, silly Jonah. He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what did you do? They knew he was running away from the Lord. Why? Because he already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked, what should we do to make this sea calm down for us? Oh, this sounds so noble. Listen to this. Pick me up. Throw me into the sea. It will become calm. I know that it is my fault that the great storm has come upon us. He sounds like such a martyr, doesn't he? Such a martyr. What a good guy. He's going to save everybody. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us be accountable for killing this innocent man for you. O oh Lord, have done as you have pleased. Did you see what just happened? A minute ago, we were talking about every man get up here and pray to your God and see if we can be saved. Now these men have changed their mind. Now they're praying to Jonah's God, who Jonah doesn't even pray to. Jonah made converts from simply being on the boat. He didn't even try. This is a ridiculous story. At this, the men <laughs> greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. I need to just give you the visual of what's going on in my head with this story, okay? Just for a moment terrible storm the ship is being rocked back and forth they can hardly hear each other as the waves are smashing and it's just mist and rain everywhere and they're wiping their eyes and they're trying to hear and the thunder is roaring and they're yelling back and forth and jonah says throw me over and they're like we can't throw you over throw me over well okay if you throw me over, the storm will stop. Throw him over. And they grab Jonah, and they throw him overboard. They begin to pray, God, please do not hold us accountable for this man's life. 
and the storm stops. And just over the side of the boat is Jonah, treading water. And the captain and all the crew look over the side in this really awkward moment. We're like, should we take him back in the boat? And somebody says, I think we should vote on it. I don't want him back in the boat, I'll be honest. Did he survive the storm? Yeah, he's like right there. He can hear you talking. He's right over the side. And the captain comes in. He's like, are you serious? Like, he's okay? Like, he's okay. They come over the deal. Jonah, you, you're okay? He's like, yeah, so far. <laughs> he's taken. Like, how awesome is that? <laughs> right there. Yeah, I seem to be gone. How beautiful is that? And they're like, oh, that wasn't our fault, you know. <laughs> like that what didn't happen. We threw him over. The storm stopped just like he said. He was treading water. He should have got out of the water. That's what he should have done. Just swallowed whole. These poor guys are like, well. <laughs> just keep rowing. Such a cool story. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed, even seaweed, is wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit to Nineveh required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth and when the news reached the king of the Ninevites he rose from his throne he took off his royal robes he covered himself with sackcloth and he sat down in the dust then he issued a proclamation to Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles do not let any man or beast 
herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he did have compassion on them and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were going to be gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, just take my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. He just experienced what about everybody in my occupation would love to experience. You take one message, and you walk into one community, and you share it one time, and everybody converts. That's like Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham at like five chief stadiums put together, walks in, and you want to hear what the message was? You better change your ways. God's going to get you. And all these people just changed. Like, are you serious? Jonah's like, here's the problem I have. I don't want to go to Nineveh. Why? Because you're scared? <laughs> no, not because I'm scared. You're not scared of the Assyrians? You see, Nineveh is like the capital city of Assyria. They have been a monstrous threat to Israel from the beginning. Why doesn't he want to go? Maybe he's scared. Jonah would say, I'm not scared. I'll go to Nineveh. But there's a deeper thing that's going on with me. Think I'm scared of the Ninevites? What do I go? That doesn't matter to me. Well, are you nervous about your message? <laughs> yeah, nervous about my message. That's what it is. You don't want to go there and tell them they need to change their ways? Are you afraid they won't listen? No, I'm not afraid of any of these things. Then Jonah, what is your problem with this whole thing? Here's the problem I have. It's not with the Ninevites. My problem is this, is that God's probably going to do what God always does. And I would like to believe that I'm better than the Ninevites and that they're not going to change, but they probably will because I know God. And that he's probably going to forgive them. And see, the problem with that becomes this. If God forgives your enemy, that means you don't get to be lazy anymore. You track with that? If God comes in and forgives your enemy, 
and then put you on the same ground, now how are you different? And see, for us, it's about status, isn't it? I'm better than you. Why? Because I'm a preacher, right? And preachers are just morally made of a better fabric than most of everybody else, right? <laughs> You're like, not here, no. <laughs> Maybe in other places, but not in this place. And see, if God comes in and he says, now, everybody here is the same as you. Well, now I have to work to become better. Now I really have to dig in. Because I was just coasting earlier, coasting on God's grace, just cruising right along, knowing that I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want, and I'm forgiven because I'm a part of God's holy people. I'm completely different than the rest of the world. We can start supplementing names, too. You pull Nineveh out, drop in another name, drop in another label. Republicans. Democrats. Gay. Lesbian. Black. Transgender. My problem isn't my problem isn't with them. My problem is I don't want God to come and take us and size us up and him say, now look, you're equal. Well, I want to be special. Oh, you are special, just like everyone else. You see, here's the thing that's so hard to get our head around. God loves everyone. Yeah, but me more? No, sorry. Not you more. Are you sure about that, Jared? I'm pretty sure about that. Based on scripture, uses big words like the world, for God so loved the world, not white, Republican, pro-Trump. You see, what we do is we take Christianity sometimes and we move, it, we move ourselves over into a place to where we become nationalist, nationalistic, right? And we take Republicans and we go, well, the reason Republicans are, are right are because they're more Christian than Democrats are. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a Republican. I'm basically a Christian, right? I don't think it works that way. I don't think you get to just say, like, this is that and this is... That, if I remember right, Scripture says something like, and you are now a new creation. For God so loves the world. He loves everyone. And Jonah's like, I want him to not love the Ninevites. But you're going to love them, aren't you? Of course you are. That's why I didn't go. Wow. Jonah's not very happy, but God's going to get him, and this is great. <laughs> the Lord replied, Have you any right? Chapter 4, verse 4. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. Listen to what this says. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. They all repented. God relented. He saved the city, and Jonah's still outside the city in a little pub tent, sitting down like, I hope it burns down. 
You are an angry little man. Why are you so angry? So mad. And then the Lord, long on patience, long on love. God provided a vine, and he made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm <laughs> which chewed the vine so it withered. Watch, this is what morning came, it's time to get up. Jonah knows it's time to leave. He's cooled down a little bit. Maybe just a few more minutes underneath this big leaf where this vine is. I think I'm <laughs> just so perfect, so perfect. At dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die again. It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? <laughs> Jonah says, I do. <laughs> I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine, though you did not even tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? The interpretation is 120,000 who can't tell their right from their left. And one guy says, that's the children alone. The city itself was about a half a million people. There's a couple pieces of irony here that I just need to point out. The Lord is busy in the book of Jonah. And sometimes I think what happens for us is we look at things and we go, oh, that's bad, that must not be from God. Or that's good, so that must be from God. I would like to give you a rundown of, the, of a few things that God provided for Jonah through this story. In chapter 1, he provided a great wind. He threw a great wind, which caused the ship to nearly fall apart. In verse 17 of chapter 1, he provided a great fish. In chapter 2, he commanded the fish to vomit him up. In chapter 4, he provided a vine. Then in verse 7 of chapter 4, he provided a worm. And then he provided an east wind. And God is such a provider. And I'm sure Jonah's really happy about that. You're such a good provider, God. Thank you for the sunburn. There's an interesting bit of history that goes along with this story, this same time period that I think has a little bit to do with us. 
What's the problem with What's the problem with taking the message to a group of people? I think part of it becomes our heart. I think that's part of it. That we would like to believe that we don't, that we're better. I would hope, I would hope that's not the case. But I think sometimes we have to dive into our bigotry just a little bit and start asking some hard questions. I had a situation come up in my life not long ago and I found out I'm a little more bigoted than I thought. I didn't like it, but I was glad to know it. I could change it. As I meet somebody, and they're wonderfully kind and sweet. I'm impressed by who they are. Thankful for who they are. And then they say the word, I don't know if you know this or not, Jared, but I'm a Muslim. Hmm. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. Not a thing you bump into in the SEK very often, is it? Caught me off guard just a little bit. I had to check myself. But I can't check myself just on myself because I will write myself off like, oh, that's okay. I have to check myself with Scripture for God so loved uh, the world. The same time period that this is going on, there's a massive famine. Archaeologists have found out that there was this massive famine in the same time period as Jonah. And the biggest part of this famine, you know where it happened? Nineveh. Archaeologists have also said that there was a massive earthquake that had just destroyed a ton of stuff. Do you know where, do you know where it happened? Nineveh. Strangely enough, you can go back and look this up. NASA has even signed off on it. There was a solar eclipse, which in this day and age, anything that goes on with the celestial we record that, and we take it as an omen. It's a sign from God. And in the same time period as this book, this solar eclipse happens. Do you know where the path, where it was darkest, happens? If you go back and look, do you know where it happens? Nineveh. Why would these people suddenly change their mind based on Jonah's really lame sermon, change your ways or God's going to get you? Because it seems as if God had already been doing some groundwork there for them. Which, if you think about, is pretty true about what happens to us, isn't it? You didn't just one day say, I think we need to go to church. You didn't just one day say, I think I've been thinking about this. I think I want to give my life to Christ. Why? I don't know, just something different. That's not how that happens. There's event after event after event after event. You meet somebody, you have a conversation with somebody, something falls apart. There's these other thoughts that have been going in your head. We've been thinking about coming back to church. We've been thinking about it, and things got rough, and things begin to fall apart. And you think, son of a gun. Man, maybe I need to... And you turn around, you look behind you, and you go, all that was pointing this direction. That makes sense now. It all makes sense now. God's been loving Nineveh for a long, long time. And all he wanted was Jonah just to get on board. J 
Joan would rather die. I'd rather die. God makes converts on the boat. God makes converts in Nineveh. All because Jonah is just present. Because God has already done other things. All these things, famine, earthquake, this solar eclipse, all this stuff happens. And if it lines up right, then Jonah walks in. We talked about this just for a little bit. They had a God that they uh, worshipped in the Assyria area. Uh, he was called the fish God. That's interesting. Who just climbed out of the belly of the fish God? This weirdo. He smells like it. He's got seaweed on his head. He comes walking out of there. Maybe the story had already beat him there. We know a guy who got swallowed by a fish. Watched it happen. His name's Jonah. If you see him, it'd be the weirdest deal. Guy named Jonah. I remember his name. I'll never forget his name. And maybe it made it all the way back, and then he walks in, and they're going, okay. And Jonah says, look, I don't want to be here. I don't like none of you. But God said, repent, or you're all going to die. Whatever. And they all say, can we sing one more verse of Just As I Am? Because we would all like to be baptized today. And Jonah's like, are you serious? The people in Jerusalem don't even listen like this. Are you kidding? hate this job. It's beautiful. Is God doing some groundwork for the people around you? Maybe he's already started. He's already doing some groundwork. He's already knocking on their heart's door. Maybe he's using a battering ram. Maybe he's already orchestrating some things that are starting to get a little wobble in their wagon. All he needs is somebody just to be obedient. But here's what we do. They'll never change. They'll never change. I tell you what, they'll never change. They will. That, that one, never change. Can I tell you something? You were that one once. Weren't you? You were that one once. Somebody said it about you. He's already doing groundwork. You see, the key to it is this. We just have to listen to God. Do we just charge right in? No, that's not. No, no, you don't need to charge right in. Timing is important. But if God says, now is good. Here's the only thing I want you to share. This thing. What's the Holy Spirit laying on your heart that you need to share with the people around you? He's already doing groundwork in their life. It's already happening. All he needs is somebody who will step in and say, I'll say it. I'll say it. Give me the words and I'll say it. Make it crystal clear. I'll say it. few things I want to remind us of. May our words and our actions be the same. Jonah says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, but nothing about his life said that. May our love and our compassion for others be the same as God's, who even in the face of his very special agent, Jonah, Jonah says, I would rather snuff out the life you gave me than go do what you tell me to do 
And God says, you look like you need to cool down. How about a vine? You want a little vine on your head? You're just so worked up, Jonah. Just relax, buddy. Relax. So angry. May our trust in God's command, may our trust in God's command be strengthened. That when he says go, we will go, something's going to happen. This is good. This is important. And may our fear in the Lord keep us humble and not entitled. Look, we are Christians, but we are no more special than anyone else. We are saved, but you know good and well that has very little to do with you and me, right? We're saved by grace through faith. We are saved because we repented and we brought ourselves to the, to the conclusion that we are sinners and we can do nothing about that and we crawled our nasty carcasses into a baptismal. And we said, you know what? I surrender all of me to you. And at that point, we find salvation, just like Jonah said, salvation is only found in God.